Oh, and we're back with another episode of the Chris and Daryl Podcast. All right. Can't believe we're episode four deep. Four deep. Four deep. And it's still snowing outside. Yep, looking like another eight to ten. Well, they switch it up. Now it's like six. Ah, you never know. Yeah. It's still a lot. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk, I guess, about a couple of upcoming events that we have. Um, First of all, I should say that tonight's episode is brought to you by Whirlwind Waterfowl. I see you're wearing the hat. I am. Listen, nice. So we're going to quickly talk about the Tiltatiki. Every Tuesday, they have an open mic night. That's a lot of fun. It is hosted by Third Wheel Project. And uh, yeah, it's just very casual and all skill sets come out and play maybe three or four songs. And we pass that microphone around. On Wednesdays, you have Grant Walker at the Tiltatiki and... He, uh, he comes in and plays some of his awesome music. He was a guest uh, on episode two. Go check him out. He's awesome. And uh, also on Wednesdays, out in New Richmond at the Wild Badger, there's a really fun jam. And uh, every week the band is different, and we get together and play music. It's it's a lot of fun. On Thursdays at the Lift Bridge, you got a third wheel project. It's myself, the Messenger Mike, and Keith. And uh, we do have some guests that maybe... We'll stroll on in, but we drink beer and play music there at 6.30. And finally, Friday, down at the next stop across the river in Holton. You can see the airspace above it, but it's hard to see from Stillwater. Um, we don't tell anybody about Friday, except for here on the podcast. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. You can roll a tire down the hill there and you might cross the lift bridge. Have you seen that in, uh, where is it, Germany or something? They roll a thing of cheese down a mountain and everybody goes tackling after it it's like a thousand people and they literally got a a thing of cheese this big around and they set it down a mountain like a wheel of cheese a wheel of cheese and everybody wrapped is it just like in wax okay and all and it's a yearly thing and every year they let this thing go down the mountain and people (laughs) just go tumbling head over heels and it's steep like you can't stop yeah and they're tumbling people break their legs and arms and it's just like this. I think it's ger- a German event, and it's, if you haven't seen it, Google it because it's hilarious. That actually sounds like something that Wisconsin and Minnesota could work out. Yeah, across that lift bridge, you know, you gate it off and you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You might be onto something there, Daryl. Well, I don't want to be the one liable for it, though. I can tell you that because the way they do it over there is brutal. It is brutal. <laughs> Uh, another local happening here in Stillwater, Minnesota, on Saturday, Saturday, February 16th at 7 p.m., you have the Beer and Comedy Variety Show down at the Lift Bridge. And uh, that mixes comedy and beer, and pretty much jokes get better the more beer you have. Yep. And uh, so that's going on. And if you like salsa music, on the 16th of February, you have Salsa del Sol at the Mediterranean Cruise Cafe at 9.30 that's a lot of fun. If you're into dancing, you know, take your lady on a on a date or your dude on a date and uh, go salsa dancing. At the Lions Tavern, you have Outdoor Bocce League. And that goes from February 7th until March 14th, 2019. It's good to get the year in there because some people forget. Have you seen, have you seen <laughs> the ridiculous show called Big Mouth? No. 
I don't want to be plugging Netflix stuff on this show, but uh, if you like the raunchiest of raunchy, as far raunch to the raunch factor as you can possibly go, check that show out. Uh, Did you think I was being raunchy? No. So. (laughs) (laughs) Cricket, cricket, cricket. All right. So I'm super pumped to have our guests in the studio today. Andy Fish is how I saved him. Actually, two I, years. I think ago. it's Andy Brathall. Yes, Brathall. Andy Brath- Brathall. Andy Brathall. Yeah. Well, whatever. Andy Fish sounds pretty Andy good too. Andy Fish. That's how I have you labeled in my phone. But this is Andy Brathall, and we got him as our special guest. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you do and and uh, your business that you started. Well, I grew up just being in the outdoors all my life, so everything from fishing to hunting and traveling in between. So I uh, worked for a small company that really got me dialed into the idea of starting an outdoor company of my own. So I've started designing products in the background as well as some apparel. And What what kind of products are you – is that something you can talk about a little bit about? uh, I can't really talk about what they are specifically, but I can say that there are some decoy ideas that I have for specifically Canada goose hunting and field hunting that uh, I haven't seen on the market, so I've looked for them, but uh, okay, they're different. And you also have uh, apparel that you're developing and designing? Uh, yeah, we have some apparel available right now. Uh, the website will be available coming soon, and that, uh, that will be whirlwind.com, whirlwindwaterfowl.com. Okay. And uh, you'll be able to see we got some hoodies, we got hats. You're wearing a hat. I am wearing, I'm wearing a, hat. a hat too. You're wearing a hat. Yeah, that's a sharp looking hat. Thank you. I actually <laughs> fits great. I actually really like this hat. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. who do I say thank you to on this? Well, or are you just borrowing it to me, lending it to me? I'll give it to you, brother. No, I might know where you can find another one. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Check out whirlwind.com. I'm gonna get all hot and sweaty in it, so you might not want it back. We'll have to get you a second one. Okay. <laughs> so I'm gonna get a sweaty hat back, <laughs> and I'll get the new one. <laughs> no, perfect. we don't have to do that. No, it's perfect. I'm I'm always into fishing, and uh, but when it comes to your duck hunting, tell us about that. What's that like, man? Uh, it's an addiction. <laughs> uh, everything from starting into the collection of decoys and calls and whatnot, and then the traveling and expenses. Anybody that's ever done it can attest to that the early mornings of far far before sunrise getting out whether it's early season or late season breaking ice it's uh it can be a lot of work but the rewards are worth it so these geese are looking for a place to land because they've been flying from who knows where Timbuktu. Timbuktu. timbuck two and they're looking for a place to land and they're flying over a field and and you call them in right well actually it, it seems like that but when you're comes down to the actual goose hunting factor it's way more preparation that goes into it than just the hunt itself uh i find myself driving five six seven days a week uh chasing birds and you end up finding where they want to be you can't really i mean you can you can traffic birds they say but uh the easiest way to target waterfall is to do your diligence and scouting there's a lot of windshield time and a lot of binocular time Wow. So you find where they want to be, and then you set up where they want to be, and then it makes the process much easier. So if you check out the YouTube page that I started, there's actually a couple of clips that I have that are after we've shot our limit, um, and the birds are just pouring in, but it's not because I'm calling. I don't have any calls. Right. My decoys are out, and I'm well hidden, and they're just dropping on you because that's where they want to be, and they're already accustomed to that area. So you are basically 
the bird whisperer. <laughs> Whispering would be a good way to put it, especially uh, this past year. There was a couple times where we found ourselves in the fields not calling. Uh, and they just you just knew that that's where they wanted to be. They wanted to be, and if you had the good hide, that, that was the most crucial. If so that seems see to me to be maybe the most difficult part of bird hunting, or at least... Um, and are we specifically talking about Canada geese? Uh, Canada geese and all waterfall, really. Uh, it would be anything from your puddle ducks to your diver ducks. Uh, okay. Big water, small water, your creeks, your wood ducks. I mean, it's it's all dependent on the weather. So uh, the migration changes every year. That's also another really interesting fact while her waterfall hunting. I've never heard that before because I'm not an avid um, waterfowl or a bird hunter. But <clears throat> to know where the birds want to go... That's just years of knowledge and learning and a lot of learning, a lot of learning. Cause yeah, I mean, any guy like regular guy would be like, um, they, you know, maybe they land on the water. Maybe they, (laughs) yeah, as long as you know where they roost, you just got to follow where they roost and where they want to feed. And you'll find out that you'll see the same groups of birds trafficking back and forth from, for instance, we're right next to the St. Croix river. It's one of the largest areas of waterfall holding and it's actually nationally known for the largest canvasback migration. Um, so they see a lot of canvasbacks, especially down towards the uh, Winona Lacrosse area, is where they start to bottleneck down and filter in. And it's it's an incredible sight to see the peak migration. Cool, very cool. So I'm wondering, do you have a cat or a dog? Definitely dogs. <laughs> he's a, <laughs> he's a murderer. We stick with Labrador Retrievers personally. Um, yeah, that, another pup's on the oh, way. A water so. dog. Yeah, water dogs. Yeah. Most definitely. Man's best friend. Yep. Especially when I don't have to go swimming in the waters, 35 or 40 degrees. Which lab do you go with? What color? I, I prefer black labs, okay. personally. Uh, they don't stand out like the yellow labs. You can, you can pick anybody out of the crowd that owns a yellow lab. There's really? dog hair on them, whether they try to or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you grew up... On a lake with your dad, fishing and hunting. What brought you to this point in your life where you wanted to make something out of your passion? That's a deep subject. <laughs> uh, I guess living on the lake and sitting there and watching waterfall in general and now the changes of the seasons impact what shows up and what you see, whether it's numbers or species – that it just triggered me to want to learn more. And also moving up to Ely, Minnesota for two years actually showed me a very different perspective on the migration and whatnot of how waterfall react to different weather. So it, it just kind of drove me more. And once I came back down to the uh, west central area of Wisconsin, I realized that I had grown up in one of the most important areas when it comes to uh, migration. I mean, the St. Croix River leads into the Mississippi River, and it's the central flyway. I, I, I couldn't have realized it at a later time, but... Is that I mean, typically how they navigate? Because there's always this, how do birds actually navigate? Are they following rivers? They follow river systems. Uh, it depends on the type of species, especially. But uh, overall speaking, I mean, you have an eastern flyway, you have a central flyway, a Mississippi flyway, and then a Pacific flyway. So they run coastline, central plains. If you look at a map over North Dakota, South Dakota, you'll see the pothole region when you zoom in and you actually look at it, you can understand why waterfall would follow that bottlenecked area. Just not very many miles west, it becomes a lot more barren. Very few potholes, just a little ways east, actually tails into the western Minnesota side. 
a little bit, um, you'll get out of the pothole region and you'll notice that there's a definite line of I mean, solid speckles of potholes from southern Canada to, I mean, all the way down to South Dakota, Missouri, and Kansas. When you say potholes, you mean lakes, ponds, yes. bodies yes. of water? Lots and lots of small bodies of water so that they, I mean, they don't have to go very far to jump from pond to pond. Right. Um, and it's, yeah, it's potholes, lakes, ponds, cow pasture ponds, everything. Yeah. And as well as large, large shallow body lakes. So when they, you know, so I guess growing up, I always heard that, um, oh, they're following some magnetic north or, you know, it's not that. It seems this all of a sudden makes way more, way more sense. Butterflies do this too. They do. Um, A lot of it's weather. I mean, really, and your birds that are what you would call northern birds, birds that live their summer in Canada, once it begins to get cold towards you know, September, even earlier actually, August and September in the farther reaches of northern Canada, it starts to freeze those ponds. Well, waterfall absolutely require water. So they end up just gradually being pushed, whether it's by food or freeze up, and they just go south. And the birds actually, depending on that year's winter, will only go as far south as they need to per se. Okay. Um, but it's, again, it's by species. They're all their own... Yeah. They're all their own thing. So it depends on whether they follow water, follow cornfields. Uh, your puddler ducks are going to follow your cornfields, snow cover and freeze up. Diver ducks are going to go from your ponds and lakes to moving to rivers. And then they follow the rivers because the rivers are the last to freeze. Gotcha. Interesting. So, yeah. So That's obviously, cool. obviously Andy here knows an awful lot about waterfowl and hunting. And um, you can catch them online too with uh, – your Instagram handle, what is that again? Uh, Whirlwind Waterfall on Instagram as well as YouTube and Facebook, actually. So if you have any questions, you can feel free to shoot me a message on there. I'd be happy to answer any questions, try and help anybody out. And you also um, have been dabbling in guiding for people that are looking for, oh, I'd love to go bird hunting or something like that. Um, Andy's the guy you could reach out to on Instagram or Facebook and... Is that true that you, you you take people out, show them where to go? Absolutely. Give them the ropes and teach Absolutely. them how big of a hobby it actually is? I, I simply <laughs> start the addiction. Yep. <laughs> Once you take them out and show them a good time and what it actually can be, uh, it it resounds. Okay. So people follow it. it, it, it it's hard to explain. Awesome. And, and you'll take people fishing? I will take people fishing as well. And trapping. We can dabble into the trapping as well. I actually do a little bit of nuisance trapping on the side is what I primarily focus on in the trapping aspect. Squirrels. Um, squirrels if you have damage. Mice. Nope. Mice, you got to have a special license for that. <laughs> oh, because they poison. They oh. poison instead oh. of trap. Oh. Uh, I could trap all I want and it wouldn't do any good. I was joking anyway, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but uh, from the perspective of that, though, from nuisance standpoint, uh, a true nuisance, beaver, muskrats, and mink, they are, they are definitely things that can cause a ruckus if you have small ponds or lakes in your backyard oh, and yeah. damming up creeks. Yeah. Um, yeah, send me a, an email on that at whirlwindwaterfall at gmail as well, and I'd be happy to come take care of your beaver problems if they're in Wisconsin. Okay, special license. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, you actually, there is no reciprocity between Wisconsin and Minnesota when it comes to trapping. Okay. So including the St. Croix River Valley. I can only trap the eastern shores of St. Croix. Okay. And Minnesota has the western shores. Interesting. Is there a definitive line, 
or is it just halfway across the river? It's just pretty much halfway across the river. Okay. Don't um, be don't be doing funny stuff right in the middle. You wouldn't be able to trap <laughs> in the middle anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be awkward, yeah. Cool, Andy. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, Chris and Daryl. It was nice to meet you this yeah. afternoon. It was, it's a pleasure yeah. being on. All right, so Andy Brathall, thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure having you on. All right, so our buddy out in Colorado, Johnny Sticks, sent us some questions to ask each other, and it's based upon would you rather. So let's play Paper, Rock, Sticks and figure out who asks who first. Okay. <laughs> Rochambeau. Rochambeau. Only one. Okay. Ah. Okay, well, I it. <clears throat> all right, well, so since I win, I get to ask Chris from the Chris and Daryl podcast. Podcast. <laughs> Would you rather, and he's got a little ding-a-linger on his dang-a-langer there, which is awkward, but okay, so. Uh, you got a dang-a-winger. I'm just gonna go for it, I guess. Um, so I got an A and B. Um, you're you're gonna pick. Would you rather? And you're gonna elaborate. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So would you rather eat raw moose testicles? Doesn't sound so bad. Or stand up in a senior home and declare out loud. You're all going to die here alone because your family's abandoned you. I would definitely sock, get some mushrooms. I'd go and find I, some morels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I know. Right? Yeah. I mean, is that a question? I know. I, need, I, no, I've eaten, all I would need is pepper. Yeah. Some salt. Nope. You can't cook them, Chris. They're moose testicles. Doesn't say it if they're cooked raw. or not. No. First, oh, yeah. Eat raw moose testicles. Raw? Yeah. That's raw. Well, yeah. I would saute my mushrooms so hot <laughs> that when I added them to it. Sushi testies. Yeah, I would definitely not go into an old folks home, a wisdom home, and, and say that. No, yeah, I'm, I would rather eat something that's edible. Yeah. And those are definitely like, edible. Yeah. Sushi testies.com. Yeah. All right. <laughs> For sure. You're on something. I think so, man. New restaurant? All right. So it's my question, A or B. Would you rather give Betty White a pedicure while both naked? Or would you rather punch a Santa at the mall in front of a crowd of children? Uh, I know. Uh, you know, uh, my wife's here. I was going to say that. <laughs> She'd hear it anyway. I wouldn't punch a Santa in front of kids. But as long as I was just naked and we were having fun and I was painting her toenails or whatever. I mean, whatever. Oh, Shani. I'll let it slide. You. If you do mine next. Yeah. I just had to go home and do a better job on my wives with a happy ending. <laughs> okay. Next up, Chris from the Chris and Daryl. <laughs> that was actually kind of funny. We fucked that up so much. Well, it's great when you are Daryl. <laughs> okay. 
All right, question two. Would you rather... I don't know. Go fishing with Joe Biden or go hunting with Dick Cheney? (laughs) If I'm trying to make some money, I think I'd take Joe Biden fishing. Yeah. I mean, otherwise I might get shot. Yeah. That one was kind of obvious. Yeah. And I know that Johnny Stakes is trying to fuck with me. (laughs) (laughs) There's some inner story there, I think. Yeah. All right. Daryl, would you rather dress as Barney the dinosaur and ask random children for hugs? Or would you rather dress as a hobo and ask random people that are middle-aged men to take selfies with you? So stupid. Oh. <laughs> I hated Barney because I was like just past the age of Barney. So I was like probably like 14 or something when Barney was hot. Yeah. And I hated him. Yeah. So I'd probably take selfies <laughs> as a homeless person. Well, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. It seems pretty harmless anyway. All right. Up next is Chris. Chris, would you rather set up a frozen meat tent at a Long Beach vegan food festival? That would be fun to do, actually. I would already vote for that. (laughs) Or ask for signatures for common sense gun control at the gun and knife show. (laughs) I would definitely do number one. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so would I. (laughs) I'd be flamed, dude. You know what we'd have there? We'd have... Sushi testies. Dude. Fuck yeah. Yeah, co- finally, finally they're cooked. <laughs> yeah, now we can finally cook them. So we'd get, a, yeah, that would be way better. I would definitely take some fucking moose testies to a vegan show. Oh, big time. Especially if they're cooked. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up. All right, Daryl. Okay, here we go. Last question. Then we're done with this. Would you rather go on a nudist weekend cruise with Rosie O'Donnell? Ooh. Or would you rather attend a WNBA game with Meryl Streep? Uh, I'd go on a cruise with Rosie O'Donnell. Naked the whole time. Wait, it said naked? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why does it always have to be naked? Why is he? He knows my wife's going to be in the room or something. (laughs) God, what an asshole. Probably. (laughs) Yeah, that's fine. So I'd be on a nudist boat with Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't touch her. All you can eat buffet. <laughs> it would definitely be an all you can eat buffet. <laughs> all right. Well, Yikes. that concludes that segment from Johnny Sticks in Colorado. Thanks, Johnny. We'll get you back. Oh. Pretty sure you're yeah. going to be a guest on the show at some point, and we'll make sure to have some questions ready for you. Yeah, sure you betcha. Our musical guest on the show today is Joe Cachel. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming into the studio today and being on the Chris and Daryl podcast, yeah. man. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Even though it's about to snow another 10 inches. That's what I heard. Yeah. It, there's already like there's already like 20 inches in your driveway coming in. I know. It's good to have like I a... wait until both snowstorms are done before I plow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I so might as well wait till the end of the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it looks like you have vehicles. Johnny's like, uh-huh. Looks like yeah. you have some vehicles to... 
manage what's going on. So it's nice having a four wheel drive vehicle because yeah, then you can yeah. just stop caring as yeah. much. You can just floor it. Yeah. And it's like peace. Actually, one time uh, last year before I had a snowblower, I just used my truck to pack the snow down. Oh, I know. Forward yeah. reverse, forward reverse for like well, an hour and a half. <laughs> that's what I did driving in is that there's like a couple spots that haven't been driven on. Yeah. And I just made sure to pack that those two lanes down for you. Yeah. Was, Isn't that kind of fun to do? It's almost yeah. kind of like. Hitting like a, a pop can on the road or something like, oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> or a beer can or a bottle or yeah just look out for glass bottles you know yeah you try not to hit those you yeah. do that what a bottle is a glass bottle you get plastic bottles and then they make a pop noise no that's pop. plastic bullshit yeah no plastic glass. that was on last week's podcast we talked about the horrible effects of all of our trash and plastic and all the crap we drink and throw away and right it is it's pretty sick but if you can help out by running it over and making it a little smaller, yeah, then you've done something, right? Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> help the breakdown process. Yeah. It's like aluminum can, at least plastic. Can't get rid of that. Yeah. In, in a yeah. couple thousand years, you know, there'll be a a dude walking around picking up, like looking for agates like we do. Mm-hmm. And be like, oh, here's a piece of aluminum. It says Bexy. <laughs> this Mountain Dew. Mountain Dew. I don't know. When I find old cans, it's usually like old Coca-Cola can or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be us someday, but it'll be plastic. We'll all be robots. So we got Joe Cachel. Joel. Joel. I got a tail. JK. Music. I did that. I even said that before you got here. I was like, I, I was calling you Joe. I always say it's like Joe, but I got a tail because the L. Nice. Got it. So yeah, Joel Cachel. My last name is Cachel, like Rachel with a K. Um, JKmusic.com. And is that a joke? No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm Joel Cachel. Okay, that's good. All right, he knows who he is. All right. Yeah. yeah. So Joel, what um, what do you have going on right now for your music? Are you developing a new album? Are you working on a new album? Yes. Or, yes, I am. Tell us about that. Um, I'm currently working on an album with a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Kurt Jorgensen, and he's uh. Uh, it's been a long time since I've recorded some music. I was kind of just waiting for it to, f- to f- just be um, the right collection of songs and feel the right, uh, I don't know, energy in my life. Because I think a lot of times, depending where you are in your life or how you're feeling, is captured in music. And I think it's really important to to use that energy, good and bad, just to use it as a positive thing and and uh, write music, record music. Um, so I'm working on that. The plan is to get done with that by um, May. I'm going on tour down to the Florida area, Florida Keys, and just kind of hang out in, uh, on the beaches and play a bunch of music. And, Sweet. <laughs> and um, so the main kind of places I play are uh, Alaska and Colorado. I just was in Colorado uh, about two days ago. I did just a small tour there. I go there. Uh, I'd say three, four times a year. Okay. I used to live out there, so I got a lot of family and f- family friends, I like to call them. Okay. Family. Yeah, yeah. family. <laughs> and so just spend some quality time with some awesome people. And um, other than that, I got a website. My website's currently getting uh, finalized at jkmusic.com, as we discussed earlier. So it's just a lot of <clears throat> positive things are moving forward. I feel so uh, excited about this album just because of the music. 
Um, some of the music that I've recorded in the past years was always about partying, you know, having fun, and which is awesome and everything. But the music that I've been working on currently is more about, you know, what it's about, what it feels to be alive, and you know, putting a positive message of self-love and uh, really um, giving back. One of my favorite things to do on the road when I'm traveling is. The people that you meet, sometimes it just feels like I'm supposed to talk to that person. You know, a lot of times it's like, how can I help this person, you know? Um, and it seems that, I don't know, I love to serve and, like, help people, like, as much as I can. So one thing that I want to do more than anything is just write a great music that is uh, healing music or just putting out a positive message. And through that, being able to, um, through success of the album, hopefully, and, I mean, it's going to be it. It's gonna be a great album. So yeah, it's gonna be a hit. So so I was just the couple songs I've heard. I'm a, thinking after the world tour, you know, like and all the money we generate, we're gonna just kind of give. I'm gonna give back to you know. I thought it'd be awesome to do a couple different things. So when I was um, a kid, my parents were super supportive of me playing music, and to me that was so important into uh, how music is integrated into my life. And I think it's important to push that message to, to people about the arts and about music and how important it is in, to everybody in our lives. It's not just um, the people that play it, but the people that listen to it. And it gave me an opportunity to have a message and a, a meaning that maybe can help some people as it's helped me. So. Awesome. Well, I've seen you play, and it's interesting. The things humans do musically... Because I think it's the only thing measured in anything we've observed that's living. Right. And that's syncopation. And it's really cool, man. Like playing music and getting the people to feel the energy that you're mm -hmm. projecting. And if it's a song you yeah. wrote, more power to you. Yeah. And well, I've strayed away for many years even playing a lot more cover material which is because i play a ton of shows that are you yeah. know three four hours but just recently it's free bird <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah or, but or rec recently the uh the original music has been speaking to me again and i've just been uh, really uh pushing the original stuff just because it's it connects with me one thing yeah. i started meditating a lot lately just to kind of help slow my my activity in my brain down a little bit because I spend so much time thinking and overthinking. And, you know, one thing that's really helped me with is just kind of, well, one, move forward, write, communicate with people, breathe sometimes, you know, when you just need that second to, to breathe. And, um, you know, what I realized when I started to meditate was that on stage, when I perform a lot, it's to me a form of meditation. Like I, my favorite, you asked what my favorite show is earlier, and my favorite shows are when I feel like I'm almost not even there because I'm just like another extension of the music itself. You know, it's like yeah. I'm almost floating there in a trance of just being, I don't know. It's, I, I used to call it like I, not like a blackout like from drinking, but a blackout from the music, the vibrations feeling so amazing and everything yeah. just syn syncopated so perfectly you know, with the people that you're performing with or even with yourself. Uh, and so that's why when I started meditating, I'm like, dude, I know what this is. I've done this. So it's kind of cool to kind of um, tap into that. And 
I always feel like there's been some kind of conscious awareness, you know, tied to music and art and people that um, use creative outlets to express themselves. I think they're more connected to the to the earth or to the energy in our world, and I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, so with you being more in tune to the um, writing your original stuff, you brought an original tonight to play with us. What song is that? Uh, it's a song I wrote with a friend of mine. His name's Dean Cummings. He's a friend out of Alaska. And um, yeah, we were, out, we were fishing on the Copper River and we were just kind of talking about the cycle of life. Uh, these fish that come into the Pacific, um, come from the Pacific Ocean, when they, they go to the birth spot where they're born as little eggs, they just have this internal compass that brings them there. Yep. But when they come up here to spawn, they mate and it's the end of their life. And so uh, over on the Atlantic Ocean, they don't do that. They actually swim up and they swim back to the ocean and they're fine. So uh, this song was kind of brought on the idea of the circle of life. Um, you know, uh, there's a, a lot of people that do substance fishing up there that live there that they use the land to live on and they hunt and they fish and they fill their freezers so that they can survive cold winters and they have enough food to feed their dogs and their animals. And so it's kind of talking about the circle of life, but also with the fact that people use the circle of life and also with as people, how the circle of life, right where we were fishing, there was a cemetery that kept getting, it was all kind of marked off so that people... You know, there's not a ton of traffic there in these particular areas. But the the riverbed was kept washing out where the cemetery was. So it's kind of uh, one of the lyrics talks about, you know, a grandmother, you know, that there's someone that was buried there and talks about how the river takes away where these people had were buried and the nutrients of their body gives back to the earth mm-hmm. itself. And also it's kind of the idea of that these fish are swimming up and all the nutrients that they give back to the earth themselves, all the animals that live there that eat them after they die, and every, everything kind of that spawns in between there. So Awesome. So. What's your website? Yeah, check out my website, jkmusic.com. Again, that's JK, like just kidding, but I'm not kidding. I'm Joel Cachel. Spelled like Rachel. <laughs> yeah, my last name is the... Rachel, like yeah. Cachel. If you raise the top of the R, <laughs> you get Cachel. Love you, brother. You too, man. It's good to be on the show. Cool. Let's Thanks for this. Sides, dip nets, fish wheels, they survive on the Copper River Valley. Oh, oh, the Copper River Valley. Nah, nah, the Copper River Valley. Oh, oh, the Copper River Valley. The Copper River is running red. Big old sock guy in my net. Down by the water's edge on the Copper River Valley. And food, fish camps, and word camps too. Caribou cross river sides, dip nets, fish wheels, they survive on the Copper River Valley. Oh, oh, the Copper River Valley. Nah, nah, the Copper River Valley. Oh, oh, the Copper River Valley. 
my grandmother rest her head Grave washed away by the riverbed Where life ends well it begins On the copper river Is rich in food, fish camps and wood camps too. Caribou cross river sides, dip nets, fish wheels, they survive on the Copper River Valley. Oh oh, the Copper River Valley. Nah nah, the Copper River Valley. Oh oh, the Copper River Valley.